Good morning. Welcome to Houghton Wesleyan Church this morning. We are so blessed to have all of you with us this morning. Can you please join me in the call to worship found on your screen? God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. The Almighty God God of Jacob is our fortress.
Lord, we thank you that we know who you are, the great and mighty. You are faithful. And you have made us more than conquerors. And we thank you that we can gather here to worship you and to love and adore you. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to welcome everybody. And uh, there are a lot of people here. So what we're going to ask you to do, you're going to have a chance to greet one another. But we're welcoming everybody. Those who come on a regular basis, those who are here for the first time. Those who are visiting friends and family and are here maybe once or twice a summer. We are glad you are here to worship our Lord Jesus Christ today. And as uh, we greet one another, when you come back to your seats, maybe tighten it up a little bit because we are really packed, okay? So take a moment to greet one another. Good morning. much and hopefully we've been able to create a little bit of space now here and there I see a little more space yep up here in the front there's some spots and stuff uh, we are glad that you are here and just to go through a few of some of the the uh, housekeeping and things uh, life of our church first of all if you have children little children zero to, zero to two years old we are more than happy and hopefully you are too to have them here in our congregation throughout the service um, we enjoy them Hopefully as much as you enjoy them. But if, if for you it's more comfortable, you're more than welcome. We have back in the Christian's uh, ministry building back here um, a fully staffed nursery. And you're more than welcome to take them back there. If you don't know where that is, ask our ushers and they'll help you get back there. And likewise for our two to five-year-olds, there is a children's church time that takes place. And we'll dismiss them a little bit later in the service. So uh, we do have programs for them as well. But again, um, more than happy to have all in our congregation with us today. At this moment, I believe Amanda has an announcement. Welcome to Checkpoint One. Are you guys ready? All right, Brianna, first, for 15 points, would you please juggle those balls for 30 seconds? Mom, for 10 points, I need you to sing an entire verse from memory of one of the following hymns. God of concrete, God of steel, the whole wide world for Jesus, or onward Christian soldiers. Evelyn, for 15 points, please hop on one foot for 30 seconds. Oh, excellent. Jess, for 25 points, you have the option of either putting these names from the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew, we're not unreasonable, in order, or perform the following integration. These challenges are just a small sample of all of the fun we're going to be having at our road rally, which is on July 19 in the afternoon. This is our first road rally. It is an all-church event that you're all invited to. And you win 
by driving around in cars in teams to four different checkpoints that we have. And there are lots of fun and crazy challenges. Some, as you saw, are more physical, some are more mental, some are really easy, some are a little bit more challenging. Um, keep going, Jess, you're doing great. <laughs> and it's not a race, it's not about getting back first, so we don't want people drag racing around the county, but it's about just doing the challenges to earn the points. At the end of the rally, we'll gather for an ice cream social to celebrate and congratulate the winners in the community room. Every team is going to need to have either a smartphone or a digital camera because there are lots of challenges that involve taking pictures of yourself, doing various things, and then we're going to upload them as we go to our Facebook event page. So even if you can't come, you can check out our Facebook event page and watch all of the pictures being loaded. If you don't want to do any challenges at all and you just want to drive around, please feel free to come and join us. So, sign-ups begin today, and they end next Sunday. So get your team together. You have to all fit in a car. I'm sorry about that. If you have to have two cars, that's two separate teams. If you're an individual who doesn't have a team, there's a place for you to sign up to, and we'll just put you all on teams together. Join us. It's super fun. I have to step over the topper during the sermon. I'm not sure. That sounds like a ton of fun, and hopefully you can participate. The youth have actually canceled their pool party to be a part of this as well. So uh, this is definitely going to be a great and exciting event. Make sure that you um, see if you can't work that into your schedules and have a great time. It's also a great day, July 19th, 34 years ago. I met and married this wonderful young lady over here. So. Yeah. <laughs> Just a few other things to highlight. Um, Pastor Wes and Cindy are on vacation. They have been last week, and they'll be coming back in the middle of this week. But just keep them in prayer um, that God will just replenish them. They give so much to the, this church and to all in the community as well. And just keep them in prayer. Uh, there's the bikes on the quad. Uh, there's a reminder about the youth in the Kingdom Bound. Make sure you take care of that. I think it's August 4th. You're going to be going to Kingdom Bound, and you need to sign up. There's limited space. Um, mission moments in the persecuted church. Just take a minute here to look at this with me. The worldwide Muslim month of Ramadan started June 28th and ends on July 27th. Let us join many around the globe in a concerted 30 days of prayer for Muslims. And there's a website you can go to. There's so much to pray for. May pray for those who reach out to the Muslims. Pray for safety in the process of all things that take place. But keep during this, this significant month in their lives... May we be in prayer, in activity uh, through this month as well for all those needs within that community, uh, those people that we would like to reach out to as well. And then within the persecuted church, this little category, I hadn't realized this one, but even within Colombia, uh, indigenous converts to Christianity are particularly vulnerable to the persecution from local authorities. In one village, 139 brave Christians chose to leave town rather than to deny their faith. They continue to live in temporary housing in unstable living conditions. Keep the persecuted church. And today we'll focus in our prayer time on Columbia, but keep the persecuted church around the world. We really don't. We feel a little tight and uncomfortable and maybe a little warm today, but it's nothing, absolutely nothing compared to what so many endure for their, as a result of their love and faith to God. And then you see our prayer current concerns that are listed here. And, and one thing, just thank God for the safe return of Naomi. Uh, we've been praying for her. She went over, Naomi Christensen, over to Nigeria and back to do some work with Wycliffe. And we thank God for safe journeys over and back and his protection in those ways. And then finally, uh, next week we'll be meeting at 10 o'clock. 
Um, this is our summer Sabbath time. And Reverend Wayne Tesh, uh, co-founder of the Royal Family Kids Camp, will be sharing as we celebrate 20 years of uh, ministry together with the Royal Family Kids Camp. And we have a little presentation and a commissioning for them in a few moments. But uh, thank you again for being with us and worshiping here. life is over, I'll fly away to a home on God's celestial shore, I'll fly away, I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away, when I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. Just a few more weary days and then I'll fly away To a land where joy shall never end I'll fly away I'll fly away Oh glory, I'll fly away When I die, hallelujah, by and by trumpet of the Lord shall sound, and time shall be no more, and the morning breaks eternal, bright and fair, when the saved of earth shall gather over on the other shore, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there, when the roll Yonder, I'll be there when the roll, when the roll 
is called up yonder. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be That was great. That was really great. Thank you. Thank you very much. We are privileged once again this year to be involved with Royal Family Kids Camp. And Royal Family Kids Camp is one of the ministries we support through our missions giving here at the Houghton Wesleyan Church. And uh, we just want to take a few minutes today to thank them for their time and their effort. And John Van Wickland is going to come up and share a little bit. And then we're going to have a commissioning uh, of the service. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go look for the one that wandered off? Our theme at Royal Family Kids Camp this week centers around sheep and shepherds. We will use pasture-like backdrops, fences, grass, sheep ears, wolf fur, bleeding, growling, all to demonstrate that a good shepherd cares for all of the sheep. Not one is expendable. The good shepherd leaves the 99 in relative safety while looking for the one that wanders off. Our mission at Royal Family bears a striking similarity to this story of the 99 and the one. The current national child victimization rate is between 9 and 10 per thousand children or about one out of every hundred children in the United States is a substantiated or verified victim of child abuse, abandonment, or neglect in this country. So our response is to leave the 99 non-victimized children, our children, our grandchildren, our siblings, our cousins, and the relative safety of family members and friends and seek the love and care for the one, or seek the love and care of the one who needs some special attention this week. Psalm 40 speaks of this special relationship with the good shepherd and the sheep that are in peril when it says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit, out of the mud and the mire, and set my feet in a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. Our Bible verse for the week is the exceedingly popular Psalm 23:1, Because the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. Jesus is the good shepherd. He cares about every single child in Allegheny County. He cares about the best and the brightest, and he cares about the least of these. We believe that Houghton Royal Family Kids Camp is one small part of God's work in Allegheny County. Actually, when I think of this picture behind me, 
it's probably the social service workers that, that merit that good shepherd role of actually rescuing kids. But we have a lot of fun at providing them the positive memories. Um, we believe that the efforts of our hands, feet, minds, and hearts uh, uh, will give these kids that we minister to a firmer place to stand. This is our 20th year. Uh, we started in 1995. We've been around long enough to have three former campers become adult volunteers with us this week. Uh, one spent seven years as a camper from 1999 to 2005. One spent six years with us from 2000 to 2006. One spent seven years from 2004 to 2010. They have transitioned from being sheep we've looked after to shepherds who partner with us. Several other volunteers with us this week have their own stories of childhood peril. They did not go to our royal family in their uh, childhood, but someone somewhere was a good shepherd to them at a critical point in their lives, and now they join our all-volunteer team traveling sometimes many miles and expending a week of vacation or opportunity for summer earnings precisely because they know what this week will mean to many of these kids. And I deeply respect the commitment that they have. And we went through the interview process with many of our volunteers. We realized why this camp means so much to them. Next Sunday, Wayne Tesh, the founder of Royal Family Kids Incorporated, this is both a local camp and a national organization, uh, with Pastor Wes's blessing, uh, will deliver the Sunday morning message, as, as Kevin indicated before. Uh, the national organization oversees 193 camps and 7,000 campers. Uh, he travels from his home in Southern California specifically to honor this church and its 20th year uh, next week uh, for all the members and uh, participants of this church and community who've donated, prayed, and volunteered since 1995. Uh, after that service, <clears throat> right after that service, we're going to plant, uh, we've planted 19 trees up at Camp Asbury. We decided to plant the 20th tree uh, on the children's playground of this church. And so that will follow, immediately follow the service. Uh, and the tree's name, which should be evident after what I've said today, is, and it's on the back of all our bright green shirts, uh, is for only one. Uh, Colleen Myers, our camp videographer, once again made a three-minute video of last year's camp. And as you watch it, note the positive place that Royal Family is and the many happy memories it provides. It may seem like a sad place, but to the contrary, it's a very happy place, uh, giving these kids a lot of uh, positive memories. Uh, so again, we thank you for all your prayers, your donations, and your time. Tonight, if you need help, if you need help, I'll shut down the city lights. I'll lie, cheat, I'll beg and bribe to make you well, to make you well. When enemies are at your door, I'll carry you away from more. If you need help, if you need help, or hope dangling by a string, I'll share in your suffering to make you well, to make you well. Give me to believe that you would do the same for me and I would do it for you you fall.
afraid you're gone, gone, gone. You're my backbone, you're my cornerstone, you're my crutch when my legs stop moving. You're my head start, you're my rugged heart, you're the pulse that I've always needed. Like a drum, baby, don't stop beating. Like a drum, baby, don't stop beating. Like a drum, baby, don't stop beating. Like a drum, my heart never stops beating for So at this time, what we'd like to try to do is have the, all the volunteers that will be serving at the camp during this week come up here in the front along the altar in the front up here. Just come right up here. I think you're, if you see somebody with a green t-shirt and they're not making their way up here, get them up here. And while they're making their way up here, I want to make another note for us. Um, there is another mission ministry happening during this very same week and it's called Love Buffalo. And we have a number of our youth and a few of our staff and other volunteers that will be going up to Buffalo as well to be reaching out to the needy in the city of Buffalo. So we're going to commission them at the same time. And we debated about how we're going to accomplish all this. I would like those who are involved with Love Buffalo maybe to get up and just make your way to the sides of the church over here. And the purpose of doing this is we just want everybody to see how actively involved our churches and people from all around to reaching out to the community and around us. So Love Buffalo folks, stand up and make your way to the sides of the church, okay? Without prayer, all these efforts can, can fail and not accomplish what God truly wants to accomplish. 
And so there are prayer partners specifically orchestrated for the Royal Family's Kids Camp. And what we're just going to have you is just stand up where you are. If you're involved in the prayer partner ministry, just stand where you are. And then as I lead us in prayer, you may just reach out with your hands as if you're placing your hands on the backs of those around us. And we can direct our hands over in this as well to the to Love Buffalo folks. They've made it easy. They're all over here on this side. But just take a look at all that is happening in this next week in the ministry. So please stand. Those who are a part of the prayer ministry. And then we're going to spend a moment in prayer. All right. Let us pray. Lord God, we live in a world of pain, suffering and sorrow. And many of us seldom experience it. And yet we know there are there those even close to home here in Allegheny County, Buffalo and nearby that struggle and suffer day to day, physically, emotionally, spiritually. And God, you have called us to reach out to these individuals, to love them, to be an expression of your love for them. And here are young people and old standing here before us today who are going out to reach out and to touch these lives. And we pray, God, that you will commission them, that you will anoint them with your love through the power of your Holy Spirit, with wisdom, with smiles and joy with sensitivity. Help them, God, to be able to be used by you to touch these lives. And we know, God, that in each case, it's unique and different, and it gets complicated. But we know, God, full well that you are fully aware of all these needs here in Buffalo and around. And you will empower and you will enable your servants to be used as they faithfully choose to honor you, Lord. Honor them in their efforts. Give them victory. Give them ears to hear and eyes to see, hearts to love and hands to touch. And God, remind us, as we remain here in Houghton or nearby, to throughout this week to continue to lift up the ministry of Royal Family Kids Camp. And to remember those in Love Buffalo, in Buff, ministering up there in Buffalo. Bring to our mind, Lord, may we be faithful to pray. And thank you for those who have committed to pray for this specifically. But may the rest of us join in, Lord, asking that you will have great victory in the lives of so many people. So we commission these your service, Lord, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand and join us as we continue in worship together.
Our scripture reading today comes from Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. Romans 8, chapter 31 through 39. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any change against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Jesus Christ who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future or any powers, neither height nor depth or anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Will you please stand and sing the doxology as the ushers come forward for the giving of our tithes and offering.
We're going to uh, spend some time in prayer at this point in the service. And uh, I'll make note at this point that immediately following our time of prayer, the children ages 2 to 5 are dismissed if they'd like to go to the children's church. And again, uh, if they're not familiar with where to go, they can go through the back and um, the ushers will help direct them. Or they can follow the other children over to the Christian Ministry Center. If you'd like to join with me up here, the altar is open. There are chairs if it's difficult to stand or to kneel or to sit. There's all opportunities up here. But if you'd like to come forward and join me as we pray and just spend some time uh, in worship of our Lord and Savior in bringing needs and concerns and praises to him in prayer, please do so at this time. Lord, what a a privilege it is to come before you and to humble ourselves and to bring before you all the things that are in our thoughts and our minds. And Lord, we, we worship you and we come humbly to you, Lord, for you alone are worthy and you alone are able to know the depths of our hearts and those things that stir within us. Whether it's the praise that wells up because of the great things that you have done in our lives or in our friends' or our families' lives, whether it be miracles or salvation, healings. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for all that you do in our lives. And Lord, likewise, we, we come humbly before you because we know, Lord, that there are needs that we each have and that we bear. And God, we turn to you. And in these moments now, Lord, we plead with you. And we bring to you those concerns that we each have. Lord, perhaps... It's a loved one who is wrestling with physical needs. Lord, perhaps there are those that we interact with daily. We know need you they're hurting spiritually and emotionally we think of them Lord now Lord, within our own congregation, there are just a number of people that are wrestling with various illnesses and physical ailments and other needs emotionally and physically, spiritually. And we think of them now and we bring them before you. 
Lord, we thank you that um, there are those that are going and serving during this week specifically, as we've already recognized and commissioned them. But we bring them before you as well again. Those with Royal Families Kid Camp, the Love Buffalo Ministry. We think of them, Lord, and continue to pray and ask that you will touch and prepare their hearts as ministers and the children and the adults that they'll be reached out to during this time, both in Buffalo and there uh, in the Royal Family Kids Camp. Lord, we we think of the Muslims and we think of this time of Ramadan and and all that takes place. And I can't even, I don't know and, and can't fathom all that goes on in the ministry in those scenarios and those settings around the world and even here within our own country. But God, we do ask that during this time that you would enable those who have been called to reach out, that you would enable them to be sensitive, to have your wisdom, and to enable them, Lord, to touch and love and minister to and draw those unto you to show them you, the one true God, uh, through Jesus Christ, Lord, our Savior. And we pray for those needs. We think of those in Columbia, Lord, these specifically these 139 who refuse, Lord, to turn away from their faith, but rather to stand firm with you and have been removed from their homes and set out of the community and and banished, as it were. And God, they need homes, and we pray for them. And we thank you for their testimony and their witness and their strength. But we know, God, from day to day, uh, Satan will attack. And so we ask, God, that you would surround them and, and help them and encourage them. And Lord, provide for them their needs. May they find you close and your loving arms embracing them through these difficult days. We think of our government, Lord, and and just the the trying times that are going on all around the world and within our own country. We ask, God, that you will help and bless our leaders from the president on down to right into the, the county and the various executives and the judges and all the people, Lord, in different ways and walks within Um, our communities and the counties and the state and the nation. So much takes place, Lord, and so much happens and is going on, and people need you to be directed by you, and a lot of them don't even want. They don't even acknowledge. And we ask, God, in spite of their unwillingness, that you'll move and you will accomplish your good and perfect will through them, in spite of who they are, and those who cling and lean on you, God, may you answer their prayers and give them your wisdom as they trust in you to make difficult decisions. And Lord, likewise, we think of our church, and we thank you for it. And we thank you for Wes and Cindy, Pastor Wes and Cindy. And we ask that you will be with them during these days as they rest, that you might encourage and strengthen them and know that we miss and love them, and that we are praying, God, that they will have a great time of refreshment as they come back next week. And Lord, as um, this church continues to serve in this community and the world around us, May you grant wisdom to the various leaders, committees. We thank you for this summer Sabbath, as it were, to take a break from all the committees. And may we, as a church, take that time to reach and rekindle and and deepen our, our faith with you and our relationships with our loved ones and our family. And so, God, we thank you for this time, for listening and knowing our, our desires. And we ask, God, that as we close our prayer together, um, the Lord's prayer together, that you might um, move and stir in our hearts and remind us throughout this week. So as we pray together the Lord's prayer, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.
You may be seated. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that during this time that you will help us to focus on you. Enable me, Lord, to communicate your words and your words alone um, and thoughts that might help each of us in our walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. So in the midst of the storm, um, we all encounter storms in our lives. Um, Some of us maybe feel like more than others, but probably not. Um, It might be a tough thing to say that it's kind of relative, what might be a storm to somebody else, you're thinking, that's, that's just a little squall. That's not a big storm. And yet, um, it's probably because we are focusing more on our own selves and the hurt and the pain and the suffering we go through at times. And because of the experiences in my life and in the privileges of watching and witnessing other people going through difficult times in their lives and because of the Word of God, And all that I've read and and come to know about who God is, I really, really like this passage in Romans. Can I say it's my favorite passage? I I don't know if anyone could ever dare say such things about the Bible because it's just full of so many great and good things. And perhaps next week, a different passage is going to be more important to me than today. And that's the beauty of God. And that's the beauty of the relationship with God that we each have. And as I talked about, things are kind of relative in scripture passages and things. We could, we could stand in here today or sit, seated here and we might say, okay, let's all open up our Bibles and read a particular passage. And we would read it. And as we go through it, then we start to ask people, so what do you think of that means? Or what does that mean to you? And we might get 10, 9, 12, 13, a dozen different thoughts as to what was important to that individual. And that's not that the scripture that people are thinking differently or wrongly, perhaps, but most likely because of what's happening in their lives in those moments. And God is speaking to their hearts as they dig in and read his word. And so as we think of the storms of life, um, I want us to help, help us each to understand that the storm that you are in, if it feels like a storm, then it's a storm. And don't let anybody else tell you it's not a storm. But know this, that God loves you. And he will never leave you. And he'll never forsake you. But it's beyond that. He loves you in the midst of the storm. Nothing can separate you from his love. It's a great thought that God will never leave me and forsake me as I go through different things in my life. It's a great thought that knowing you stand beside me, but it's more than that. He loves me. He's caring for me. He's providing for me. And that combination is an incredible thought for me. And so that is why I really, really enjoy this passage. When I think of people going through storms, I think of a couple things. One is the storm might be there because God's testing us. God tests our faith. And he tests for our good. He wants to see us grow and to trust and to lean on him. And so tests occur in our lives. And sometimes we don't like those tests. And we, we struggle with, is this is God, what are you doing? 
And so we wrestle through those times in our lives that God brings a test. And we feel really under trial sometimes and, and, and struggle through those times. But God is faithful. And through those times, he's reaching out to you and he is polishing you and he's making you into his child. Uh, James 1, 2 through 4 talks about um, that. Considered all joy, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have it's this result that you might be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And so as you go through these tests that come into your lives, God is all about this to make you perfect and complete. And you might think, I really don't want to go through this, God. But you don't have a choice. God knows you. He knows your capabilities. He knows where you stand in your walk with him. And he's not going to take you beyond what you can handle. He, he knows your heart, your strengths, your weaknesses. But he also knows you need to grow. And how boring would life be if there was absolutely no trials and tribulations? In it? We could sit there and say, well, that'd be great. And we could like that. But those who don't know God won't know how much we really love God. Because how easy would it be to sing God's praises when everything was always hunky-dory? And it's great and it's good that we praise God when things are going well. But when we praise God when things aren't going well, boy, that speaks volumes too. And so likewise, as we start to struggle through things and we feel God's presence, and as he draws us through these tests in our lives, we start to realize how deep his love is, how deep the Father's love really is for us. And we're encouraged, and we, we grow up a little bit more, and we fall deeper in love with God. So tests happen in our lives. Temptations come along, and that's Satan. Now, the tests are orchestrated by God to help us grow. Temptations are orchestrated by Satan. Let no one say when he is tempted, he is tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted, nor does he tempt anyone. So God isn't tempting you. It's Satan. And he's got one thing on his mind, destruction, lying, deceit. And he's trying to tear you down when you go through these temptations that are fired at you. But the beauty of this is, no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful. He doesn't let you get tempted beyond what you're able. But with the temptation, he provides the way of escape also, that you can endure it. And you can have victory in those temptations. And what Satan means for harm and destruction, God steps right in there and he says, Kevin, come over here. We can get through this. You just need to lean on me and trust me. And we can just stab Satan one more time and knock him down. And I'm going to grow up a little bit more. And I'm going to feel really good about having victory over something that somebody else was trying to hurt me. And so there's Satan. And so if I just lean and trust in him in those moments, in that trial, in the middle of that storm, even though it's meant for bad, God can make good out of it. And I can grow a little bit more in understanding how great his love is. And then sometimes, I don't know if this one's, I don't know, I just think it's like foolishness. Sometimes I just do stupid things. And I don't know if it's sin or a test. I, it's hard to discern things, but I just know sometimes I do things that aren't quite sharp. And God never leaves me, never forsakes me. He loves me. Nothing separates me. Kevin's foolishness doesn't separate me from his love. And so even in the foolish things, when I make a foolish mistake and get crazy and, and do something, and maybe it was meant for good, but it just didn't work out that way, God's loving me. 
And he's put his arm around me and said, Gavin, I know you really thought that Cindy would really, really like that as a wedding gift. But, oh boy, you goofed up here. But you know what? I love you. And she does too. But, you know, and so how great is God? We can't, we cannot separate. We can't, anything we can try to do, God loves us. I love the passage. It's a great thing. So, as we think about that, I read, I read a book a long time ago, and I reread it recently by Robert Morgan, The Red Sea Rules. It's a great little book, and it basically talks about 10 God-given strategies for difficult times. And so I'm going to refer to that a little bit as we walk through this concept of being in the midst of the storm. And so every now and then, some of these thoughts I'll be sharing, I hope to point them out, are really coming from Robert Morgan. Some of his thoughts as he has studied scripture, specifically dealing with the Exodus as the Israelites left Egypt. And I get tongue twisted. Sometimes I get Egyptians leaving Israel or whatever. So bear with me in that process. But here's, here's the thought. Here's the thought. Why, why do we suffer and falter in the middle of storms in our lives? Why do we falter? I think it's because we lose focus on God. And in this example, that um, in, the, in, the, in the Exodus, it's pretty clear to me. If we could just take a minute and think about the Israelites. And Exodus 14 is we see them being ushered out. But the previous chapters in Exodus are the plagues. And Moses is sent to go help the Israelites to realize God wants them to become free. And essentially, he goes before Pharaoh after talking with the Israelites and and saying, here's what Aaron and I are going to be all about. And God wants to do these things and just bear with us. And they're like, wow, this is great. After hundreds of years of slavery, God's heard our cry and we're going to be free and be able to get out and, and celebrate and worship him. Because in the initial phases, in chapter 4, I believe it is, you see that all that Moses goes to ask for is a three days journey into the wilderness. That the whole Israelite gang would go and take all their livestock so they could sacrifice and celebrate God. And I don't know how long the celebration is, but let's give them a four or five day celebration and then they'll come back home. So they're asking for like a 10 day reprieve, a little vacation with a purpose. And Pharaoh and the Egyptians are thinking, "Mm, not a good idea because that's their economy. If the Israelites go, everything shuts down. And besides worship, who are you talking about? And so, unfortunately, Pharaoh says, nope, not going to happen. Not on my watch. And so now begins this process with the Israelites and God and, and Moses and the Egyptians. And we have all these plagues. And after each plague, things get worse and worse for the Israelites as Pharaoh tightens down the screw. And he goes, yeah, well, my magicians can do this, that, and the other. And you know the story. It just goes back and forth until eventually is the plague, the death of the firstborn. And the magicians and the sorcerers and stuff were along, near the end of the plagues, are getting kind of tired of the Israelites. And they're trying to say to Pharaoh, you know, maybe you ought to listen to these guys a little bit. And they can't persuade Pharaoh because he continues, his heart is hardened all the more as God's wrath and God's power is displayed. And he just digs in. He's stubborn. None of us are stubborn. We would have woke right up, right? Yeah? Not me. I would have been digging around, I'm sure. But Pharaoh is just stubborn about it. And to the point that it comes the death of the firstborn. And not just the, the people, but there are animals and livestock as well. And those who took the lamb's blood or put it up over, the, over their houses and stuff were spared. 
And what a phenomenal miracle. And what happens after that? It's not just that they go for their 10-day vacation. They're gone. The Egyptians want nothing to do with the Israelites. And they say, out of here, go, leave. Matter of fact, take the gold and the silver. They get the plunder. The Egyptians. The Israelites walk off with a ton of stuff. They've been enslaved since they can remember. And all of a sudden, they're free. And not only are they free, they got all kinds of goodies. And they, they're gone. And can you imagine the scene as they leave? What chaos. I don't know, millions of them leaving. And, and the, the dancing and the celebration. And some are just in disbelief as they try to load up and go. And they're marching out. And it just must have been a cool sight as this all transpires. And then you got all the defeated Egyptians just kind of their heads down like, Oh, man, I'm so glad that these guys are out of town. We can get life back to normal and start up again. Well, that didn't last long. And here we are. This is this focal point. As they for, are gone, the Israelites are gone, and God has been leading them by day with a cloud and, and uh, the fire at night and, and been protecting them and leading them along. They're enthusiastic and kind of going really well. And then God says to Moses, Hey, back up. Let's go back down in here and park for the night. And we'll camp out and we'll set up camp. And I, I like... Tent camping a little bit. Don't yell too much. It's a little bit of tent camping. And when I set up a tent camp, I kind of want to get cozy and, and get things around me and feel like they're, the animals can't get me and I can look out and see them coming if they're going to come after me. So I kind of get it when they're down on the Red Sea behind them and these mountains on either side of them. And I kind of get a feeling that's must have been a cool place to camp out. Now, during the same time frame that they're celebrating and marching and, and having a great time, the Egyptians are back home thinking... What do we do? We just gave away our livelihood. And they start to, they can't, they don't even know how to put brick and mud and straw and they couldn't do anything. And so they started to complain. And Pharaoh was missing and, and hurting and they're all just angry and mad and they lose focus on what just transpired. We often think about the Israelites losing focus here in a minute, but so did the Egyptians. They just witnessed the most incredible intense time of power and they forgot it all because they didn't have their their needs being met anymore and they just forget about god and all that he had done and they say we need those israelites back let's go get them and they persuade pharaoh and pharaoh sends off an army to go after them in their chariots and these mighty soldiers israelites are having a good celebration life is good and all of a sudden they see this army coming and they cry out I think it's verse 10 in 14. They cry out to God. And then almost immediately after they cry out, they get after Moses. What did you do this for? And their focus is no longer on God. Well, they cried out to him. But even the devil cries out to God. (laughs) We read that in the New Testament. They cried out to God, but they were focused on that army coming down at them. And they're trapped. And why'd you camp here? It would have been better for us to stay in Egypt and die as slaves than be killed out here and slaughtered. What are you doing? And the Egyptians have forgot the God who just did all these great things. And the Israelites have forgotten God. And they're all looking at each other. Egyptians see the Israelites. Let's get them. The Israelites see the Egyptians. Ah, help. We're out of here. We're going to die. And Moses, God steps in and and does the miracle at the Red Sea. The Israelites pass through. and, And God protects and eventually destroys this army. I think focus in our lives 
is an issue that we need to understand. We, we struggle with focus. And, and some of us are ADD and all these other things, and we struggle with focusing on anything. But God needs us to focus on him. And when we're in the midst of the storm, we really need to see God. And we can't lose vision and awareness that he's there. He's not left us. He's not forsaken us. He might have put us there. He put the Israelites right where he wanted them on the Red Sea. He put them there. He wanted them there to test their faith. They didn't do so well. But he, he loves them. And he got them through that mess. And he continues on as they headed on and trying to get over. For 40 years, they wandered around in the wilderness on the other side of the Red Sea. God doesn't stop reaching out. But we need to understand it's important for us to focus. And the other piece I would say that happens to us at times is we get more concerned about our relief than God's glory. That's what um, Robert Morgan, but also um, Taylor, uh, Hudson Taylor said this. If God is glorified, if God is glorified, then I am content. Wow. If God is glorified, then I am content. And I think sometimes we wrestle with that. We're more concerned about our relief. Please get me out of this, God. I can't handle this anymore. And if God's there, he knows, and I can, if I lean and trust in him. We think of Paul. In chapter 4 of Philippians, he talks about being content in all these circumstances that he's faced. And he just says, you know, he lists a couple of them, uh, whether he's hungry or well-fed or or whatever. And he kind of lists these things, um, naked or clothed. And he talks about true contentment, his ability. And he says, I can do all things through Christ. But I want to read a little excerpt here. I mean, you've heard it before, I'm sure. But this one is just, uh, here's a man that says, learn to be content in all circumstances. Verse 25, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk like this, Paul says. I am more. I have worked much harder, been imprisoned more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in dangers from my own countrymen, in danger from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else that he just lists, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. So he throws in a little emotional stress in this too. And yet he says that he's learned to be content in all circumstances. And I think he knows to be content and how to be content because he has witnessed and seen in all those circumstances that most of us would have just said, I give up. He watched God do incredible things. And the pain and the suffering and the relief that came, it came in God's time. And God received glory and honor through those efforts and those moments and those time. And Paul witnessed the power of God and his faith was strengthened. And he got to the point of saying, you know, it really doesn't matter anymore. And even in Timothy, as he cried out and seeking and saying, God will be with me, as he has his plans. And it's only a few days later, he's executed. 
And we think, well, wait a minute, what happened? What happened in those moments? Where'd God go? God never left him. God never forsook him. God, even in death, was not separated. His love for, for Paul was strong as ever. And, and for each of us, and even when we lose people, loved ones, or we, we have a, a physical attack in our lives that in, keeps us from being able to do things we used to be able to do, that doesn't change the truth that God loves you. And he will bring glory and honor through you and to you. And he will honor you. Those who honor me, I will honor. As we remain faithful to God in those times, God will be honored. And he will raise us up. And he will bless us. And if we look at Hebrews chapter 11, you see that list of all these people who went through so much. And their faith was just an incredible story. But I don't know how many of us memorize or think about, and I haven't memorized them, and in lieu of time, I won't go through the whole passage there, but the last few verses of chapter 11, you know, they've been talking about all these guys and how, they, how great these men and women were and how they, uh, their faith was so amazing. But near the end of that, it lists those who died as a result of their faith and the persecution that they went through. And the writer says, we weren't even worthy to be in the same place with these people. These guys, right through the death, stuck it out. And... God is needing us to, to stay faithful to him that they might receive and we can just raise up this whole process and say God is love in spite of the hardships and the things that we walk in difficult times that we face. So how do I overcome and survive the storm? Be assured of this, God doesn't waste suffering. Morgan says, God doesn't waste suffering. If you're in the storm, God won't waste it. He'll use it to his glory, to his honor, and he'll lose it in your, use it in your life and in the lives of those who watch you in the time of the storm. God is for you. Who can be against you? We heard the scripture passage, Romans eight thirty one. We know that all things will work together for the good of those who love Christ Jesus. And even in those times, God's going to work good in our lives and through us. John chapter 9, there's a blind man who's been blind since birth. And there's a fascinating story and all that goes on through that. And we kind of get caught up, I do at least, in the aftermath, after he's healed in this dialogue that goes on and everything. And it's a great, it's a great dialogue and, and great things and happening in that passage. But in the very beginning, before Jesus heals him, they're testing Jesus. They're wanting to know, so, so why is this guy blind anyway? You know, was it his mom or his dad's sin? What, what caused him to be blind and everything? And the, and the answer is pretty, pretty clear. He said, so that you might see the glory of God. And I ask you this thought, you know, when that man received his sight, some of us pessimistically might say, well, yeah, he just missed out on half his life not being able to see. But I suspect when he started to be able to see he was pretty excited. And he just lived it up and celebrated God. And even though there's a lot of pressure put on him, he didn't lose sight of who gave him sight. And he worshiped and honored God in those moments. And he didn't say, well, it's about time. But he praised God. And sometimes we feel like it's about time and we get frustrated. We just need to be patient and let God heal in his time and in his ways. God 
is for you. And then finally, don't compare. There are no cookie cutters in heaven. And I'm going to read this one from um, Robert Morgan. God treats every situation as singular and special. And he designs a unique, tailor-made deliverance to every trial and tribulation. So don't sit there and think, well, it worked that way that time. God is sovereign. Trust and believe. He's got a plan, and he will orchestrate something wonderful through that time. And it may not look like what you want it to look like or what it looked like last week or the week before or the year before, but just know that God is there. And don't get caught up in compare. Stay focused on God and allow him to move in his mysterious ways. The Israelites wanted the world's peace as they complained to Moses on the seaside. Been better for us to stay back home and die as slaves. How foolish is that? They had freedom, true freedom at their fingertips, and yet they were wanting the world's peace and not the peace that God and the joy that God so wanted to give them. And he did. In spite of their comments and their misunderstandings, God continued to be their God, and he will continue to be our God. And peace I leave with you, my perfect peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you, So don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. These things, Jesus said, I've spoken to you that in me you will have peace. In the world, all kinds of trials and tribulations. But take courage. I've overcome the world. Remain focused and know the peace of God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. All your ways acknowledge him. And he will make your path straight. Please stand and join us as we sing. You are not a God created by human hands. You are not a God dependent on any mortal man. You are not a God in need of anything we
Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Amen. Mm-hmm.